So this morning, um, we're going to kick off with a new series where we're going to be looking at the opening verses of Luke 4. And we're going to dive straight in this morning, okay? So if you've got a Bible, uh, or if you've got a Bible on your phone, um, find Luke 4. We're just going to look at the opening two verses. verses. No, not the opening. We're going to look at verses 18 and 19. Okay, so Luke 4 and verses 18 to 19. Okay, this is what it says. This is Jesus talking. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be unpacking these verses together. Uh, they're verses where Jesus reads from the book of Isaiah, and he says that all of these things are fulfilled in him. They are powerful, impassioned words that speak of Jesus' purpose in coming. They're words that describe his mandate, and if we follow Jesus, that means it's our mandate too. And as we delve into these first few words this morning, we can't look at them without understanding what has happened just before. So we're just going to look at that a little bit to start off with. So just before in Luke chapter 3, uh, in verses 21 to 22, this is what happens. Jesus is baptised. And as Libby said this morning, we've got a few baptisms happening next week. Um, it's not too late. If you want to get baptised, come and chat with one of us at the end. Um, we'd love to be able to chat with you about that and baptise you next week if you want to be. But this is about Jesus' baptism. It happens just before what I've read. And it signals the start of his kind of public ministry. And it says this in verse 21 to 22 of chapter 3. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him, that's Jesus, in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And what we see here is that as Jesus is being baptised, two really important things happen. First of all, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. The eternal resource and presence of the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus. Heaven is opened and God's power and resources and presence are poured out onto Jesus. And it's from that place that Jesus then says, the Spirit of God is upon me. The Spirit of God has just fallen on him. The Spirit of God is upon me. That's the first really important thing that happens. And the second is this. God the Father speaks to him and says to Jesus, this is who you are. You are my son. I love you. I am so pleased with you. I delight in you. I take pleasure in you. You are my pride and joy. You are my beloved. That is what God the Father says to Jesus as the heavens open. So in this moment, Jesus is resourced from heaven to do all that is to come. He's anointed, which means he's consecrated, he's set apart, he's made sacred, he's empowered, he's chosen, he's equipped for the task. of All the other stuff that we read about Jesus going forwards, all the amazing things that he did, the amazing conversations, uh, just how he met with people, all of that comes from being resourced from heaven. And in this moment as well, Jesus Hears who he is. 
He hears that his father delights in him, that he is beloved, that he has this sonship, and that is his identity. So it's from this place of empowering and identity that Jesus then says these words, this mandate, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to do all these things that we're going to unpack over the coming weeks. He says, this is who I am. He knows this is who I am, and he knows this is what I'm for. This is my purpose, and this is my mission. And then after that, straight after that, Jesus is led into the desert, and over a sustained period, um, he is tempted by the devil. And Satan plays on Jesus' circumstances, and three times basically says to Jesus, if you are who you say you are, do this. And by doing that, Satan is directly seeking to call into disrepute everything that God the Father has just said to Jesus at his baptism. So God has said to him, you are my son. And Satan says, if you are the son of God, can you see how it relates completely to what God has just said to Jesus? It's Satan's age-old tactic that he uses with everyone of deceiving and lying. It's like he's saying, Yeah, but did God really say that, though? And it's the same thing that the enemy does to us again and again, that whisper of shame in our ears. Are you really chosen? Are you really called? Are you really loved by God to do this? Are you really, though? It's kind of seeking to call into question our identity, the very words that God speaks to us. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. And with you... I am well pleased. He says that to every single one of us sitting here this morning. That's what he says to you and me. You know, and if that's the first time that you've heard those words, then that's all you need to take away from this morning. Um, God, your most perfect heavenly father, says to you today, right here and right now, you are loved. I love you. You are my beloved. Uh, Not the person you want to be not the person that you hope to be, but the person you are right here and now, sitting where you are. I love you. You are my beloved. With all your doubts, all your disappointments, all your fears, all your failures, all your hopes, all your dreams, all of that, all of that stuff that makes us us, you are my beloved. He delights in us. And then what happens is when the accusations come, each time Jesus bats the devil away with the truths of scripture. He says, it is written. And then as he does that, the moment passes. He like declares the truth that God has spoken over him. So when it comes to Satan whispering those things to us, we might not feel very much like we're equipped or anointed. But if we follow Jesus, we are. We are equipped. The Holy Spirit is in us and on us. And we are loved. So from a place of these experiences that's just happened before, Jesus then says these words in Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. If we follow Jesus, his spirit lives in us. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27, he talks about Christ being in us, the hope of glory. That means We have been anointed. We have been equipped. We might not feel like it. We might feel completely unqualified. But it's Jesus and the Holy Spirit who do the qualifying. It's all about Jesus. 
It's not about us. So if, we, if he is anointed, Jesus is anointed, and if we are anointed this morning, what are we anointed for? And we're going to look at these over the next few weeks. But this morning, we're going to look at this first phrase. We are anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. And what does that mean? You know, the good news is acknowledging that we are a complete mess, right? We're all a complete mess, but that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who came to save us, the one who chose and continually chooses to step down into our mess with us, to smear himself with the very mess that is ours and to pull us out of it as we cling to him. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you don't yet know Jesus, like I said before, maybe you're wondering about the state of this beautiful and yet truly broken world that we find ourselves in. Um, you know, the longing that you have for something more is because you were made for something more. You were made to know that you are loved and that there is a purpose and a design on your life that is far bigger than you and that it's found in knowing Jesus. Jesus is the good news that everyone is longing to hear, whether they know it or not. Jesus is the good news. You know, we see what's going on in the world. Um, we see the horror of the war in Ukraine and the, we see the impact of poverty on millions of people and the, and the world's poorest people being hit the hardest. And, you know, though we are in the throes of it now, that's what it feels like, through Jesus' death on the cross, and because death could not hold him down, love has won the day. And Jesus is the good news where one day all wars will cease, all injustice will be accounted for, and there will be no more tears. So for now... What does proclaiming the good news look like? Well, it looks like words, you know, in everyday conversations, speaking words of hope, comfort, truth, encouragement, blessing, calling out the good in people, seeing people, listening to people, giving them time and space to tell their story, telling them how much God sees them, how much he loves them, how much he knows them. Like Liddy was saying this morning, she kind of, just spoke about Psalm 139. He knows each and every single person intimately. He, he knows them and he, and he doesn't want them to be alone. We use our words to tell people who Jesus is and what Jesus means to us, to tell our personal stories, to pray for people, to pray for healing. You know, it's when we're nudged to give a prophetic word to someone or a picture and we speak it out because that word or picture might be something that speaks directly to them, like cutting through their very flesh into their real kind of inner soul where Jesus says, I know you, I know this thing about you and I love you and, and I want you to know me. It's all these things and more. It's using our words. But proclaiming the good news is also using our hands and our feet and our actions. It's being kind, it's being generous, it's being welcome, it's being open-hearted, it's sharing our lives with others, it's offering of ourselves, it's offering a helping hand, it's going the extra mile, it's speaking out against injustice, 
It's offering practical support. It's looking out for the lonely and saying, you're not alone. It's noticing the broken and coming alongside. It's connecting with our neighbours, our communities and our colleagues in our workplaces. It's weeping with those who weep. It's laughing with each other. It's eating together. You know, I could go on and on. These things look like good news, the good news of Jesus. And Jesus says he's anointed to preach good news to the poor. And, you know, that word, the poor, can sometimes have a bit of a stigma about it um, here in Western society, um, about using that word. But, it, but if we're to describe that, it's about people who have less, people who are the don't-haves, those who don't have safety or shelter or food or fuel or clothes. It's those who are rejected and despised and displaced and shamed. It's those who are somehow considered less, either by themselves or by other people. It's those who are unseen or pushed aside. It's those who have less life chances. It's those who others don't care about. It's those who others dismiss with a, oh, they've just made poor choices, or you know, they've brought it on themselves. If you look at the life of Jesus, he always walked towards these kinds of people. He is always for the poor. He is totally compassionate. He is full of compassion. It is his very nature. He cannot not be compassionate towards people. And, you know, in our current economic climate, um, you know, even here in the UK, there are more and more people who are finding themselves in the position of being in need who never, ever thought they would be. Uh, we're seeing it time and time again in Grow Baby. Uh, refugees who formerly had previously comfortable lives, Karen and I were um, chatting with a family uh, just a couple of weeks ago. One of them used to be a civil engineer uh, and his wife used to be a judge. They are now refugees uh, living temporarily in a, in a place until they can be housed somewhere else because where they live is too dangerous. Um, their jobs, you know, they had jobs and homes and now suddenly they've got nothing. You know, there are people whose benefits have been capped. We had two ladies who walked into Grow Baby on Wednesday and just um, sobbed as they walked in because suddenly out of nowhere their benefits have been capped and they didn't know how they were going to feed their children. We have people in this room, we know what, um, we are beginning to feel the effect of fuel bills suddenly like soaring. Uh, there are people who are having to choose between feeding their family and putting the heating on. We can't hear these stories um, without being moved, without having hearts that are full of compassion. And I think, you know, in a Western society like ours, which is all about the self, you know, epitomised by classic selfies. You know, this is me, here I am, what I'm doing now. Um, it's about forwarding yourself. It's about making yourself. It's about obsessions with ourselves. It's about accumulating more. Preaching good news is about forwarding others, not ourselves. It's about offering people all that they can have in the person of Jesus. His peace, his love, his hope, his joy, his purpose. Even with everything that 
you know, this busted world throws at us. Offering the good news is declaring that God is for people and not against them. That it's, it's, it's proclaiming that our shame is removed by the work of the cross. It's proclaiming that we are seen and heard and loved and known by God. That's the good news. And you don't have to look far if you're looking at the Jesus that we read about in the Bible. Um, you don't have to look far to see his interactions with all kinds of people, with people, with lepers, with the woman who was bleeding, who would have been completely ostracized by society, those who found themselves excluded at the edges of society, on the fringes. You know, these people, Jesus walked towards these people. It's like he has a homing device towards these people. Who are these people for us today? What do they look like in our local communities? You know, these are the very people that Jesus would be walking with if he was walking physically on the earth with us today. He would be hanging out uh, on our street corners. He would be hanging out with these people in their houses. The good news Jesus offered was himself. It was his very presence saying, I'm here with you. I'm here for you. And what we find is that we can't just tell people uh, that Jesus loves them with our mouths and leave them hungry. We can't just tell people um, that Jesus will clothe them and not actually clothe them. Preaching the good news of Jesus is actions and words together. The two can't be separated. And Jesus makes this very clear. Um, if you want to read, uh, turn to me to Matthew 25 and verses 35 to 40, Jesus tells this story of sheep and goats, those who are following God and those who aren't. And he says this, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him. It goes on to say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the story goes, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. God's heart, Jesus' heart is always one of compassion. Jesus sees our plight. He sees the plight of every individual and his heart is always compassion. So as we follow Jesus, his mandate is ours. The spirit of the Lord is on us. We have been anointed to preach good news to the poor. The movement of our hearts must always be towards people and not away from them. And yes, I know Jesus had this rhythm of kind of time with people and then time out with the Father, but his heart was always towards other to, towards others you know when he took retreated and had that time with the father that was just to replenish and sustain everything and and you know had that depth and intimacy of relationship with the father but his heart was always towards other people so in our daily lives we can proclaim the good news of jesus by loving the one person in front of us
by seeing others, you know, by noticing and not ignoring, by hearing others, by, by giving time and space to listen to people's stories and, and hear them as they kind of cry and, and speak of their pain. We can proclaim the news, good news by giving people the time and attention um, and by giving them resources, the things that they actually need, by giving them care, by showing them love, by speaking about Jesus, by telling them the good news. And, you know, here at Chelmsford Vineyards, we, you know, we do this in other ways too. We do it through Love Chelmsford. You know, just blessing other people in our communities with no other agenda. You know, the amount of times people are just like, where's the agenda? There's got to be some strings somewhere that, you know, you're, you're, surely there's got to be some conditions to this. No, we just want to give you an Easter egg. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, here, you want some chocolate? Yeah, but what's in exchange? No, nothing in exchange. We just want to give you some chocolate. Just blessing people. Um, that's one of the ways we do it here. In Grow Baby, um, you know, proclaiming the good news of Jesus looks like welcoming people at the door. It looks like offering them coffee and cake. Good coffee. Essie's found out it's really good coffee, hey? Yeah. Um, we, we, it looks like helping them to choose items they need for their children and having a conversation with them while we're choosing. It looks like saying, yeah, it's for free. Just take it. Choose what you want. Uh, you don't have to limit it to a couple of things. Take what you want. If anyone has, you know, seen the state of Molson Street at the moment, you will know we have plenty of things to give away. Um, giving the, proclaim the good news looks like sitting with people as they tell their story. It's like offering words of hope. It's, it's practically meeting their needs. It's signposting them to other help. It's being there week in, week out, making relationships. It's remembering people's names, remembering what they said to you last week and asking them how their week's gone. You know, the number of families um, coming along um, to Grow Baby is increasing all the time. And we only expect it to increase all the more as um, in the current kind of state of affairs that we're in and with the economic state that we're in at the minute. Um, in March, we supported 161 families. Um, that's a lot of people in Chelmsford, and we know that there are more and more people who also are in need of things. I could tell you story after story about Grow Baby. You know that from me now. <laughs> um, people who are just undone by the generosity that they feel and the sense of relief that they feel as they walk through the door. I could tell you about someone that I'm going to say that her name is Sarah. Uh, and she said, I never thought I'd be in this position. And I've just been overwhelmed by people's kindness. Uh, and as I was kind of liaising with her about coming in, um, because there were some spe specific things she wanted, she said, when I come, I might just burst into tears. And I was like, that's completely all right. We've got tissues at the ready. And again, like I said, two young mums who came in on Wednesday for the first time who were like totally overwhelmed by the position that they suddenly found themselves in, that they suddenly didn't have any money and they didn't know how they were going to feed their children, clothe their children. And um, they cried, they hugged each other. I was like, do you know what, you can come back next week. You don't have to take anything. You just can come and sit, sit back, sit, sit down and have a coffee. Um, we've got tissues. And they were like, thanks, we might just do that. Um, 
finding a safe space to be, um, that, that's, that's something that we offer at Grow Baby. Um, but it's proclaiming the good news to people who need to hear the good news. Something happens in us as we love God and love other people, as we follow this mandate of Jesus. And it happens to us because we are made to love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And we are made to love our neighbours as ourselves. That's part of our intended design. And so when we do that, we are blessed. You know, Caroline and I joke sometimes. We may have had the craziest, craziest, busiest, busiest session at Grow Baby. But we go away feeling like completely blessed. Shattered but completely blessed. And, and, you know, some of you may know that um, a few weeks ago, Nat raised a huge sum of money um, to buy some toys for some of the refugee children that we're working with currently. And um, I had the privilege of going with Nat to, um, on a shopping spree. Spending someone else's money is always fun, hey? So uh, and we were kind of going along to uh, choose some toys and and then looking through some other toys that we wanted to order. And then all these toys came in, and, and that was looking at what we had. And then he had the chance to come along to one of the sessions, and it was a crazy session. I think he was a bit overwhelmed by the session, but um, he had the chance to meet some of the families that he was giving the toys to. And he could just kept saying, it just feels so good. It just feels so good. He, he, he couldn't stop saying that to me as he was coming, coming back from the shops, and someone in the shops... Uh, some of the, one of the workers in the shop said, oh, you're a lucky boy then, thinking that probably all this bundle of toys we'd suddenly bought for Nat. He, he, he felt that feeling of it being so good, giving to other people and to giving to people who needed it. It feels good because we're designed to do that. And um, a couple of young mums um, that are now very much a part of the team at Grow Baby, you know, they're their hearts have been like poured out, if you like, for um, some of these refugee families that we're working with. Literally, they rock up with carfuls of things week after week where they have said, we've got this, we've got this, we know they need this, we've got this, we've got this. And literally, their entire cars are full of things that they know these families need. Something is happening in them while they kind of... Uh, are getting involved with this. Something is spilling over into them. And these people, as far as I'm aware, don't yet know Jesus, but they have been impacted by what they've been given and what they're involved in, and something has gotten hold of them. And I think that something is the good news being proclaimed. It's life-giving to us as well as to other people. You know, why wouldn't we want to do it? Um, the other day, Caroline got to pray for one of the mums um, on the team who had a sore back. And another mum was watching and asked some questions about what was going on. And Caroline kind of explained what was going on. And this mum said, oh, can I have a go? So uh, she could, And then another mum kind of joined in as well. So we had this whole kind of, Caroline said there was this whole kind of group of people around as, she was, as they were kind of praying for this mum, all having a go. I love that. You know, the mum's back wasn't healed, hasn't been healed yet, but these people are beginning to see that we are for them, and I think that maybe they're on this journey of beginning to see that God is for them too, uh, and that he sees them, and that he knows them. This is preaching the good news of Jesus.
So that's some of what it looks like here um, in our church. But as well, you know, we recently did a, um, uh, gave an offering in response to the war in Ukraine. There's this wider need, isn't there, of proclaiming the good news to the poor. It's not just about what's going on here. Um, many of you will know we have um, connections with a couple of overseas charities. Uh, one is Live Village in Durban in South Africa. Um, and as a family, we've just had the privilege of spending a week out there with them over Easter. Uh, again, if you want to know more, uh, come and chat with me because I could go on for a while. And there's also Love the One, uh, another brilliant project in India. Both of them are projects that proclaim the good news of Jesus to the poorest of the poor. They do it in words and they do it in action. Feeding, clothing, protecting people, providing medical help and education. The Spirit of God is on us to proclaim good news to the poor. He is our source. He is our resource. It's from him and through him and to him that we get to do this. It's his compassion, his resources, his softening of our hearts. It's from this place of knowing who we are, filled with his Holy Spirit, that we have the resources and the love to pour out to others, to impact our communities, to bring life and love and hope and all things good to our communities. You know, we're called to do this. We are called to have hearts that are turned towards others. The Spirit of the Lord is on us for this purpose, to preach good news to the poor. Uh, I'm going to leave it there. Shall we pray? Why don't we stand up? Why don't we just see what God might want to do?